Welcome to True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with Ahmed and Samar. My name is Ahmed Badir. My co-host Samar uh, is also with me on today's program. We're going to be speaking about the natural disasters, earthquakes and floods happening in North African, in the North African countries of Morocco and Libya and how has the response uh, been to those tragedies. Um, as well as this week marks the anniversary of 9-11 um, and... Summer and I were going to have a discussion about where we were and our reaction and uh, how has that impacted our lives and other Muslims and Arabs. That and more, maybe if we have time, some of your phone calls. This is True Talk on WMNF 88.5. We'll be right back after this short um, music break. I 
Welcome back to True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with Ahmed and Summer. Um, that is uh, Summer's favorite singer, Raghib Alama Ilibinna. What's Between Us? That's what the song is called, Whatever is Between Us. And uh, the singer singing about what's between us. Summer, um, uh, welcome to the show. On today's program, we're going to first talk about these tragedy, tragedies that are happening in the North African countries of Morocco and uh, Libya. First, uh, over the weekend, uh, there was an earthquake um, in Morocco and that claimed the lives of um, thousands of people. And in the, in the Atlas Mountains near a city called Marrakesh uh, that impacted uh, lots of people in those uh, mountain regions, and including the city of Marrakesh itself, especially homes that were not um, like historic homes and uh, homes that were not built with modern infrastructure. Uh, but since then, there was also another natural disaster Some uh, because of a, well, it's a natural disaster, but also partly man-made, I guess. There was um, a storm, strong storm, that brought lots of rain to uh, Libya, and it, which caused two dams to collapse, causing flooding in, um, in residential areas and many neighborhoods. So far, as of last night, some 5,100 people have been killed, and that death toll continues to rise. According to the Associated Press, um, search teams comb streets, wrecked buildings, and even uh, the sea Wednesday to look for bodies in a coastal Libyan city where the collapse of two dams unleashed a massive flash flood that killed at least 5,100 people so far. Uh, this is uh, the town of Derna, Libya. The Mediterranean city of Derna has struggled to get help after Sunday night's um, Dolge washed away most access roads. Aid workers who managed to reach the city described devastation in its center with thousands still missing and tens of thousands left homeless. Quote, bodies are everywhere, inside houses, in the streets, at sea, wherever you go, you find dead men, women, and children. End quote, said uh, Imad Al-Fallah, an aid worker from Benghazi, said over the phone from Derna, entire families were lost. Mediterranean storm Daniel caused deadly flooding Sunday in many towns of eastern Libya, but the worst hit was Derna. Two dams in the mountains above the city collapsed, sending floodwaters roaring down um, the Swedi or the valley of Derna River and through the city center, sweeping away entire city blocks. Um, for some reason... My co-host says she can't hear me, so if my producer maybe can help with that. Um, Summer is actually joining me, joining me over Zoom. There's been some criticism in the Arab press. Summer, can you hear me now? Hmm. Okay, yeah, I think now she could hear me. Uh, Summer, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ahmed, for having me. Uh, I had to go online to listen to what you were saying. But you heard me, right? Not... You heard it online. No, 
just now, yeah, online. Just okay, so sure. I was just talking about giving a recap of what's happened in Libya and with this uh, flooding, especially with the dam's collapse and the worst flooding has happened in Libya in a century. Uh, some quarter of the city has disappeared, emergency officials said, and uh, they had waves that rose as high as 23 feet or 7 meters, uh, according to some um, of the aid workers. Um, and in this one account that's also mentioned in the Associated Press, that teacher Mohammed uh, Durna said his family and neighbors rushed to the roof of their apartment building, stunned at the volume of water rushing by. It reached the second story of many buildings, he said. They washed people below, including women and children, being washed away. Well, um, this is happening in the same week that a massive earthquake, you know, seven, uh, 6.8 or 7.0 uh, on the scale hit uh, near Marrakesh, Morocco. Now, I had heard about what happened in Morocco and there was, you know, some or you know, plenty of media coverage about that. But I was actually surprised uh, to hear about what happened in Libya. I didn't find out about it until a day later. And uh, other people in the Middle East are saying the same thing, that the Libya floods did not get the same amount of coverage. Did you hear the same thing? Yes, actually, I was surprised when a friend of mine on uh, WhatsApp application, uh, I have a group uh, based in Cairo, and two of the ladies on it are from Libya. And one of them said, um, somebody had just commented that, oh gosh, please help Moroccans. She said, uh, help Libyans too. And I said, what's going on in Libya? And she said, you don't know? I said, no. And she started sending pictures. And when I went, Ahmed, to Twitter, people were asking, why were there coverage about Morocco, but not Libya. And, you know, one can think of many, many, many things, but one of, I think, for some reason, the idea of a quake and the damage it does and the images of concrete buildings just collapsing, mm -hmm. uh, like a kind of uh, more visual offers more for um, reporters or journalists or people to to see and watch and interact with. I know this sounds very cruel to say, but sometimes it's the image, it's the time, it's the communication ability, how, and then of course the politics and how many people are tweeting in English or in French or on Facebook. With Libya, only I noticed when Libyans, very few Libyans started to send pictures and images and some people were able to go there and then start reporting. Um, it became, I mean, people started to realize that this is a much, much bigger uh, tragedy. Actually, Ahmed, I just went to Twitter now. I know you know the name Rwaida Abdel Aziz. We've had her several times. Mm -hmm. She is an American a Muslim journalist and works with the Huffington Post. She just posted this. She's trying to write a story here in America about Libya. So she was able to get hold of two men who can uh, be like she was interviewing them. So she says, and let me quote to our listeners, just hung up the phone with two young Libyan men. 
who within mere minutes into the interview uh, found out, uh, one of them, he lost his wife, his child, his parents, his sister, his brothers, his uncle, the uncle's family, and his aunt. Their bodies were just found. Everyone is broken. So it's it's really devastating. For instance, Ahmed, there is a journalist, he's Libyan. He wrote, uh, uh, my condolences to his friend, who's another journalist. Uh, he listed like 20, because I think they are traditional. 21. Uh, 20 dead people in one family, like, you know, you know, from the last name, like there is the father, the mother, the daughters, the, the cousins, the uncles, all the family. You can tell the, from the lineage, from the names. And uh, it seems that like whole families live in one building. So when one building collapsed, the whole family is gone. And I'm not talking about parents and children. No, I'm talking about brothers and sisters and their wives and their husbands and their offsprings. Oh my gosh. Right. It's, I mean, it's, it's very, it's very tragic and uh, relief agencies and workers are, are scrambling to get aid there. Um, um, I've actually received several uh, from uh, Muslim charities or Muslim and Arab charities that are based in the United States that are pooling money to be able to respond uh, to these tragedies. Uh, you can find them online if you uh, want to help by just searching how to help. Some of the organizations are like Islamic Relief uh, USA or IRUSA.org, um, as well as um, uh, others that are out there that are doing the same. Uh, but, you know, I'm looking at some of the images now that are finally coming out uh, in the Associated Press. And, you know, some of the some of these images look like it was an earthquake. Uh, collapsed buildings, washed away, just destroyed, just the sheer power of uh, what happened there and of course add to that all this mud but yeah many buildings uh, look like uh, they're crushed but i think part of the reason also that libya did not get similar coverage is because this coastal town of derna where the majority of the death happened it's not a major city um and because of um you know a decade of civil war that's been happening there and a dysfunctional uh, nation or a failed state that's actually run by two rival governments uh, and not enough journalists in the area, I think that might have contributed also to the slow reaction. Whereas in Morocco, you have so many tourists, they don't have the same situation. Um, I think that you know probably is a likely reason why uh, that, that there was, you know, they were slow to respond or to, to to put the coverage on CNN, for example. But let's just not forget that that wasn't the case necessarily, you know, before the civil war happened at the end. You know, I mean, NATO's role, NATO's role, and I think you and I were talking about this earlier. Where's NATO responding to this tragedy? Uh, because the state that Libya is in right now is partly the responsibility of the actions or consequence of uh, NATO forces and what they did in Libya uh, over a decade ago, right? Exactly, and the uh, they went in, they assassinated the Qaddafi. Well, NATO the, did not assassinate Qaddafi. Oh, but I mean the, the forces that were supporting uh, NATO. Uh, um, were they? I, mean, I thought they were. He was caught much later, 
by some uh, forces, but not necessarily that were NATO or connected to NATO. I think NATO just carried out the air bombardment, right? Uh, yeah, it made sure that the system collapses. And this is what they do, unfortunately. <laughs> they invade countries and uh, they pull out uh, and leave the people to uh, chances. But no, I think uh, there were certain groups that are armed. So now, for instance, you have two factions, uh, supposedly, and two governments uh, uh, that do not coordinate with each other. Each one is tied to some foreign power. There is this uh, journalist. His name is Khalil Al-Hassi, and he's almost the one who is really uh, reporting uh, now in Arabic uh, and sending all this information, Ahmed. And he is alluding to the fact that the corrupt system that is out there in Libya, for instance, he talks about the mayor of Derna, the little uh, city. Uh, where, most of the pe- where most of the people were killed. Yeah, they were killed because there was, uh, oh gosh, the word escapes, um, escapes me, a dam. Yeah, two okay. two different dams collapsed because of uh, they could not hold back the water and those dams collapsing. Not, but he says, for instance, let's look, he's, he's offering numbers. So he says they spent 400 million dinars, the currency in Libya, uh, to do, for instance, uh, what they... Uh, something uh, trivial things in Derna, like related to air conditionings and stuff like that. And he says nobody ever paid attention to the idea that these uh, bridges and uh, dams need to be uh, need to be uh, uh, what they call it, like supported, checked, uh, evaluated. Yeah, maintenance, evaluated. maintenance on. <laughs> Maintenance, uh, you know, strengthening it. And they haven't had maintenance for the past 10 years, right? And you know how, like, you're not going to believe this. I know you're not going to like me saying that. But people started to ask him, okay, this must be uh, hard. And and I'm talking about the Arab world thinking, okay, it can't be happening in Morocco. And then happened immediately in uh, in Libya. The funny thing, uh, and it's not funny, is that the UN had published uh, a study in 2021, if I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to find it because I put it out there, that says uh, because of climate change, because of the rise of temperature of the Mediterranean, cities like Derna, cities in Libya, are in the are going to be flooded. Oh, so wow. the UN... Yeah, I was. So, I'm trying really to find yeah, it. Yeah, well, there's I, an article right now on uh, CBS News that says UN says most Libya flooding death could have been avoided, as officials warned the toll could still soar. Article goes on to say that the number of people killed in devastating um, flash floods in northern Libya remained unclear Thursday due to the daunting scale of the catastrophe and political chaos that has left the African nation divided between two governments for years. With better functioning coordination in the crisis-wracked uh, country, they could have issued warnings. So I guess because of lack of warnings, uh, they were not able to get those warnings out. So imagine not just being blindsided with floods of water all of a sudden and not having the infrastructure of the government to tell you um, because of hey, that. Uh, actually, Ahmed, this uh, uh, journalist that 
I think he is based in France and he keeps uh, tweeting about what's going on in uh, Libya. He says that uh, the rep of Berna uh, in the parliament actually asked people to stay put and really? not leave. Yeah, and he says this was the worst uh, piece of advice because he has uh, zero knowledge. Uh, he has no understanding. He's a young guy who managed to be, um, you know, uh, in the parliament. Um, again, I'm reading here and uh, tweet and looking at it in the Arabic language. And he says, why on earth did he say that? He doesn't have the background. He doesn't understand anything about uh, natural disasters. And he asked people to stay put. And I'm now looking at another uh, image that he put. Uh, uh, Ahmed, they have, you know, these gigantic uh, trucks, you know, the ones, for instance, used by publics. You see them on the highway. Yeah, they're called this, like semi-trucks. Yeah. Uh, they are now uh, emptying them, thousands of people. They, they're, they're, they're just burying them uh, because they can't deal with the smell, they can't deal with the, the spread of uh, diseases. I mean, yeah, here it is. Okay, uh, the, uh, the deputy, Wazir uh, al-Dakhliya, what do we call it in English? The deputy minister of interior. Yeah, he says, and his name is Faraj Qaim. He say, oh, he imposed 48 hours, uh, uh, um, uh, what they call it? Curfew. Not curfews. Oh, gosh, my English. I have to curfew. translate everything for you? I know, because I'm reading in Arabic. Are you, are you reading in Arabic? Okay, yeah, then you have an excuse. So he imposed yeah, a curfew. Yeah. Was this curfew before the flooding started or after? Yeah. Uh, he, he, he imposed a 48-hour curfew and asked people to stay in their homes instead of asking them to leave. Oh, my God. And he said, oh, my gosh. So this guy is really exposing all these people and saying now... So where, like, where could have people gone? Uh, Behind the dam, to the right or to the left, or mm. away. Because, you know, I mean, if you look at the map, there are villages to the right, to the left. They had enough time because the, the um, they had ample, okay, when the, uh, it is to the right of Libya. And there was time for them, I think, to flee to the left or to the right or to the south. Something like that, he's saying. Because they live uh, in a valley. So they could have gone to the higher... Higher uh, ground. Right. Yeah, the ground. But because they so. did not get... But again, do you remember what happened in your own hurricane in South Florida where they did not issue the warning fast enough and many people were stuck? And this is in America. Yeah, these things do happen, but I mean... And the same thing happened with the fires in Hawaii, you know, that... Yeah. Look at the number of people that were killed there, and it happened so fast. And uh, the police chief there, I think it was the police chief or one of the uh, people responsible, the person in, char in charge of the um, national disasters for that uh, area refused to uh, sound the sirens, which are usually yeah. used for tsunamis. And he was, you know, criticized. Why don't you sign, you know, sound so the alarms to notify people? So 
even in the greatest country, most advanced country in the world, these things do happen. But, but, there is but that dam, those dams should not have been that weak to begin with. They should have, with proper maintenance. But the, the question is, all the money that was being spent on the wars there, and no money being spent on strengthening the dams or uh, doing maintenance on them left them in a very bad state, right? That, I'm sure that's uh, one of the main you know, contributors to this uh, disaster. Yes, and also I think what's important is the idea of accountability. And this is what this guy and other people are trying to say. And actually, they have now uh, written in English that they want an international investigation into this natural disaster because this is a humanitarian crisis that affects not only Libya, uh, but like the world. And we are asking for um some sort of UN investigation because these people have to be held accountable so people learn from other mistakes and countries learn from other mistakes. For instance, yesterday I was reading a report about what, God forbid, could happen if the uh, Aswan Dam In Egypt? Yeah. So they say you have 23 days before the water reaches uh, let's say Cairo. Uh, but uh, what do you do in the two, 23 days? You ask people to have a curfew. You ask them to stay put because you can deal with the influx of millions of people. So uh, people need to learn from the mistakes of other countries. And uh, I agree that there has to be an investigation and it has to be transparent because we need now experts from all over the world to come and say, okay, yes, we know, for instance, these dams were not uh, good enough, but okay, what could have they done? Uh, how could they have strengthened it? So for instance, Sudan could be wiped out if the dam in Ethiopia, is it? Yeah. Uh, is broken or jeopardized or there is an earthquake, like the whole country of Sudan will be wiped out. So these things are important and important for international media to cover and talk about because they can lead to more and more uh, disasters. I know it's far away from America and from Europe, but again, um, we're all humans and we care about each other. And it could happen, it happened in uh, New Orleans. Right, I mean, look at the, um, it's easy to point, to point, uh, I guess, fingers, but definitely a, a lot of these disasters could be, uh, could have been avoided. But uh, I guess what I'm trying to ask you is, uh, the NATO took an active role in toppling the Gaddafi government, and at the time I didn't oppose it necessarily. I mean, Gaddafi was not a good guy. I didn't like the international intervention. It was during the time of the Arab Spring. Uh, people within his country were rising up against him. Um, I didn't like the role that the NATO played in getting involved and intervening. That was the only country out of all the Arab Spring countries that they actually got involved in and used their fighter jets in Tunisia. It was a popular uprising. There was no international governments getting involved. Same thing in Egypt, and they were able to topple their regimes. Of course, uh, there's a counter-revolutions um, and setbacks in both countries since then. 
however, in Libya, NATO took a different approach where they actually got involved with uh, the NATO military to remove uh, Gaddafi and then left the country in ruins and did not necessarily stay around to make sure it gets uh, rebuilt and it's been facing some sort of civil war ever since. And I'm sure that also contributed to this madness. You know, where is NATO now to, uh, you know, I'm help rebuild? Look, I'm trying now to see on Twitter if NATO is in any shape or form involved. Commenting? Yeah, I'm trying to find. But NATO is oh busy with Russia right now and uh, what's yeah. happening there. The images are horrifying because to our listeners, what happened to understand the gravity is that uh, buildings, buildings full of people were swept uh, away into the Mediterranean. And after a couple of hours, the uh, waves in the Mediterranean started to bring back the remains of people. So people now are collecting uh, babies, parts of bodies that are being thrown on the shore, which is far, very, 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 uh, 25 uh, kilos far from Derna, the city where this disaster happened. Do you know how, how, how devastating for people who are, who have family there who live in the US or might be living in other countries or other parts that they're, they can't even recognize their loved ones because they were swept into the Mediterranean, 25 kilos, which is maybe, what, 18 miles? Mm-hmm. Wait. Oh, my gosh, the images are horrifying. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, Ahmed, we just want you to, uh, to help us with heavy machinery. Always the problem is heavy machinery uh, because we there are people who are still alive and under uh, some collapsed uh, buildings. And well, there's our, another... Our prayers go to them and, um, and, you know, if our listeners can help whatever they can with the financial assistance, um, you can find some of those organizations online that are raising money for um, relief to help both in Morocco and in Libya, two North African countries that have been devastated, uh, one by earthquake, the other by flooding. The flooding, partly a man-made problem. There was a, a really bad storm, but that in itself did not cause all this death, which is now um, probably around 6,000 people. It was a collapse of two uh, dams, water dams, and those, that collapse caused flooding specifically in the valley uh, called Derna and in the coastal town uh, by the same name, Derna, washing away entire buildings right into the sea. And uh, people had no chance uh, to get away, uh, but they could have if they had proper notice. There's now calls for an investigation to see what happened. But just like all these natural disasters that are happening everywhere, whether it's the fires in Maui and Hawaii, uh, earthquakes in um, in other parts, uh, you know, like in Morocco, many people are pointing the finger at climate change, that this is uh, the result of that, and uh, weather patterns that are changing. Uh, and these storms that used to be, you hear things like, well, they haven't had a storm like this in 100 years. Uh, it's the worst thing in the past century. They're becoming more and more frequent, 
and uh, you know scientists are saying that climate change and the warming of waters and our atmosphere is uh, the main problem uh, for this because our earth is becoming hotter and partly contributing to these weather weather patterns that are causing these disasters. Um, I wanted to shift attention, Summer, if it's okay with you, uh, about the anniversary of 9-11, tragic events of September 11, 2001. Um, It just, uh, the anniversary was just a couple of days ago on Monday. And uh, as we move away, of course, from that day, there are remembrances there, you know, from time to time. Um... However, it's not as prominent as as they used to be. Even President Biden himself did not go to New York. I think he was in Alaska. Um, They did their own type of ceremony there or some sort of uh, remembrance there, but didn't go to New York or any of the other sites. And um, it's less prominent, of course, on uh, television. Um, However, you know... 9-11 had had a huge impact, of course, not only on this country and the trajectory afterwards, but also on the Muslim community in America. Um, If if you remember, where were you when 9-11 happened? And and, and for listeners that are new to our show, our show is called True Talk. And, um, you know, someone are American, but we also happen to be Muslim, who are also Arab. She happens to be from Palestine or her uh, family from Palestine. And uh, my family's from Egypt, uh, but we're both American. Uh, we're both citizens. We just happen to, to be Muslim. And of course, all fingers were being pointed at Muslims uh, after 9-11, even though Muslim, American Muslims were also attacked on 9-11. And many Muslims died um, on those, in the attacks themselves uh, as victims uh, in the towers. Uh, but do you remember where you were and what was your reaction? Of course, I'll never forget. I was, I just turned off the computer, believe it or not. Oh, you were on your computer back then. Yeah, because I always check the news, believe it or not, again, because I was heading to the community college in my town where I was teaching. My class would start, let's say, at 10.15. So I think at 9, I turned off my computer to go get ready. And then uh, my mom calls from Jordan and she says, why are you still here? And I said, what, do you, what are you saying? She said, uh, America is, uh, is on a war or something. I said, what are you talking about? Or my brother or something. Oh, my mom. And then she hands the phone to my brother and she says, I don't think someone knows what's going on or vice versa. And I said, what's going on? She said, uh, America is under attack. So what do you mean? Says, there is a war in America. I said, where? He says, open the TV, open the TV. I opened the TV. Ahmed just opened it. Open the TV. Uh, in Arabic, we say, iftah uh, television. But it translates to turn on oh the God. TV. Okay? Not open the TV. When you say open the TV, and people are thinking you're going to use a screwdriver and open it up. So, like, oh in Arabic, we say, like, iftah nur Like, open the lights. It means turn on. So... Summer is doing a literal translation of iftah, which means open, but it's really turn on. Okay, thank you. Just so our listeners that are not familiar with your... Okay. Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm getting too old. Anyways, I turn on the TV. Uh, I'm looking, trying to figure out what's going on. 
and then uh, the other uh, plane hits the building. And then I think, I, I you know, I'm like speechless. I, I, I don't know what to say, so I hang up. And my heart sank. And then I think I went and continued getting dressed and went to my car and went to the classroom. I entered the classroom and a minute later, the president of the university and his deputy in my classroom asking me what happened. And I'm trying to tell him, I have no idea what happened. And he says, do you think we are safe? Do you think we are going to be attacked in Florida? Because I think in the car, I was listening to Democracy Now. I was listening to uh, Amy Goodman. So I could get what they were saying. Uh, I said, no, I don't think, uh, you know, America is too big. While we were in the classroom came an announcement, please go home. Classes are canceled all over America. And people just ran out of the classroom. My husband is, uh, it was a Tuesday surgery day. So I know he's not going to answer my phone if I call him. What do I do? So I went to my sister-in-law's house because her father was visiting and his father and uh, her father and I were saying, oh my gosh, the whole universe changed. The whole Arab world will change. So that's my recollection. Mm. What about you? You were yeah. not political. No, I was, not, not. I was not political at the time. But I mean, I, you know, I, I followed things, but I was... Um, Don't these things, did you? Uh, did I what? I was not listening to uh, Amy Goodman or Democracy Now. No, that was not. About <laughs> <laughs> um, so 2001, I was actually at my job. I had a job back then working in like uh, business consulting and IT. And there was a TV and then like everybody was just getting around the TV. And I was like, what's happening? And I started looking and then I saw the second tower get hit. And I thought like, Okay, the first one was an accident. The second one can't be an accident. What's going on? And shortly after that, then they started talking about like pointing the finger at, you know, terrorists and Muslim terrorists. And of course, I'm Muslim and I don't think my religion has anything to do with terrorism. The people that whoever carried this out, I don't think they're Muslim or acting in a Muslim way because Islam that I know and that everybody that I know follows and practices is a religion that promotes peace and not violence and saves lives, not kills people. And, um, but from that moment on, it was just, that was the narrative, you know, Islamic terrorism. That was the first time I've heard of Al Qaeda. I never heard of the name Al Qaeda or Osama bin Laden or any of these type of uh, figures. Um, and if I did, maybe it was in some sort of article, but I wasn't that familiar. It was not something like a prominent person that all Muslims knew. In fact, the CIA, you know, we find out later that the CIA and the American government knew Osama bin Laden more than anyone else because they were somehow funding him and others uh, and Al-Qaeda and the Taliban and or these different fighters in Afghanistan that were fighting, you know, the communist Soviet Union. Uh, which was occupying Afghanistan at the time. So um, for years to come, that's what we kept hearing. That was one of the reasons um, or one of the main reasons I started getting involved uh, in 
our community's affairs and politics and defending Muslim rights. And I remember I got a, um, like a week or so after 9-11 or two weeks, the imam at my mosque, which is our house of worship, contacted me and said, oh, the St. Petersburg Times, you know, they reached out and they're looking to interview some Muslims about 9-11. And I recommended your name. I'm like, okay, you're the imam. You should talk to them. Um, and I never did, you know, a um, TV inter or like an interview before with any media outlet. And I, you know, because I was naive, I just agreed to do it. Um, one, because I wanted to maybe, you know, help shed some light, like, hey, we're just, we're just, we're American. We just happen to be a different faith. And um, I did the interview with the reporter. She came and did a whole profile. And then I ended up being, I think, it was either on the front page or the front page of the inside section of me wow. in the mosque. And then it said, you know, Ahmed Bidir, um, he's, what well, I think it was maybe 27 or something at the time or or 26. And it said, you know, he's a Muslim, uh, Arab, male at this age, which fits similar pro profile as the 9-11 hijackers. <laughs> That's how the article started. Like, oh, okay, this is not good. But then it went on to say, like, you know, I don't share those views or whatever. But still, it put me in this uncomfortable spotlight of associated with those bad guys. And um, so that's what got me involved in. And, and ever since then, I've been somewhat involved in trying to dispel misunderstandings. How did you, hmm? how did you do the shift? Like, how did you leave... Um, IT and become involved. Well, I started volunteering, so I was just becoming more and more. And of course, after the article was in the paper, I, the, the mosque was getting so many requests for interviews and for events and speaking. And I just found myself all of a sudden organizing all these activities with the goal of it is to increase understanding of who we are and what we stand for to dispel the stereotypes. So I started going to all these churches because I'm getting invitations from all churches to do events because there's so much, I guess, um, you know, demand for information and for people, you know, that shared my profile. And I was one of the few people at our mosque that was willing to go. So they kept recommending things. And then, you know, just one thing led to another of... I think we did like even some film screenings or uh, films that, you know, increase understanding of who Muslims are. And um, it was a very difficult time, Ahmed. Yeah, it was a difficult time. And, and there was a lot of suspicion. I mean, I personally did not receive a lot of personal hate uh, because, you know, you know, it's not like I wear a headscarf where it's so obvious that I'm Muslim. But uh, Muslim women in our community were receiving, you know, things. Uh, I remember at one time just to, to, to I guess, um, in solidarity with Muslim, like some of the other people that were clearly identified as Muslim and were getting harassed because people were hurt. Some, you know, I think I remember there was a guy in Texas, even who was not even Muslim, but wore a turban because he's Sikh and people there mistook him for as a Muslim and he ended up being killed uh, as a retaliation for 9-11. One of the major things that really got me involved in civil rights and Muslim civil rights was um, a few months uh, a few months before the anniversary of 9/11. So we're talking now 2002. Uh, 
the sheriff's office in Pinellas County arrested a podiatrist um, named uh, Goldstein. And mm -hmm. that um, podiatrist was actually uh, caught because of a domestic dispute between him and his wife. The police went into his house and found all these guns and bombs, like explosives, many of them that are banned uh, weapons. And they found a manifesto that he was planning to attack my mosque, the mosque that I was attending. And he had like the diagram and where he was going to put the bombs and basically to kill everyone. In fact, the uh, heading of his manifesto was, you know, kill all the ragheads at this Islamic center. Um, and even they had a plan, him and his partner, I think his partner was Michael Harding, a dentist. I mean, imagine a podiatrist and a dentist were going to carry out this terrorist attack uh, right here in Pinellas County. And that's where I lived at the time. And um, they even had it in the diagram that when the paramedics show up to save the lives of the Muslims to even kill, they'll be sitting in the, like the, the trees or the bushes and to start shooting the paramedics so that the Muslims are not saved. Anyway, uh, they went on trial and uh, they basically did not treat him like a terrorist. They did not call him a terrorist. They said, you know, they even sent him to, you know, for mental evaluation. He eventually did a plea deal and got 10 years or, or 12 years in a minimum security prison. Uh, was not treated as a terrorist at all, no terrorism enhancement. And that really upset me that the difference in the treatment, because this guy is a like, you know, white Jewish guy, uh, gets away with it. Even though in the manifesto and in the plea deal, he says he was retaliating for 9-11 and what Muslims are doing uh, to Jews in uh, Palestine or in Israel. So this is clear political intent. However, the prosecutor was not charging him as a, as a, as a terrorist. So there are many other stories um, where there was this dual justice system happening, especially after 9-11. There was a wave of arrest of so many hundreds or thousands of Muslims that ended up um, just being issues of immigration violations, not terrorism, but they still treated them as some sort of terrorist. So it was a difficult time. Um, it's still kind of, but now, years later, that type of bias has now been kind of institutionalized where, because it's like, you know, it's years after 9-11, but it's had its impact on our culture and our society. So it, terrorism is somewhat synonymous with Islam uh, because of uh, pop culture and, you know, these uh, policies that were out there. And then, of course, it didn't help that for the next two decades, the United States was war was at war predominantly in Muslim majority countries. Iraq and Afghanistan, which you and I from day one told them that it's going to be failure. You you can't win. And look what at Afghanistan. It's not about now. You can't win. It's just because you don't have a plan, and you're not going to you, you're not going to defeat you're not going to defeat a gang of criminals, which is like Al Qaeda and these terrorists. They're not a real nation or a real army. With a full-fledged, you know, invasion and an army, you're only going to turn the people there against you, and you're not going to kill the terrorists, but you're going to kill civilians. And, and uh, they're going to yeah. go to Iraq. That has nothing to do with September 11. Actually, those people who uh, plotted September 11, they hate 
<laughs> systems like Iraq, and they opened the door for them uh, to go there. But there well, was who, also Ahmed. Who plotted 9-11? Until now, no one has been put on trial for 9-11. I mean, you have people in Guantanamo, and you're talking yeah. now over 20 years later, and you haven't been able to do a single trial because these people either have been tortured so much and uh, you can't really use that as you know real evidence or for whatever other reason but no one has really paid like has been put on trial uh, about 9-11 itself uh, I just want to mention Ahmed something important and I think we did a show long time ago about it about fear Inc and how conservatives and the conservative think tanks started to spend millions and millions of dollars to promote Islamophobia in America and promote uh, uh, borderline uh, conspiracy theories about Islam, the Quran, uh, about uh, the Islamic uh, stamp uh, that the U.S. Postal Service was planning, uh, I think, to uh, release just days after September 11. Um, so there was an industry, you have people, for instance, who call themselves former Muslims, who became all of a sudden spokespersons uh, for Islam. They're the ones who are being interviewed and very, very rare to have you or me or people who have credibility in the community to be the spokespeople who, who express um, ourselves as American Muslims and how we feel about these wars or about these policies or about uh, the FBI spying on us. Um, I remember I have an Iraqi friend here uh, who the FBI said we're going to interview you and come to the house and a friend of me and him said, you have the right to tell them no and you have the right to have a lawyer. So many people didn't know that if the FBI knocks on your door, you can simply tell them, no, show me a warrant, show me a reason, and don't, if they're polite and trusting, don't trust them. But, why, without, why, but can you clarify to our listeners, why were you advising that? What was the danger of, of speaking I, without a lawyer? Was, it wasn't me. It was our mutual uh, friend who, because... You no, never, I'm saying, I don't know. I know you're not the one that was being asked, but I'm saying, why... Were you being cautious to advise others that make sure you have a lawyer when you're speaking because with the FBI? What, because that's what the Constitution says in America. But what you is the concern? Because if you don't have, they can, you know, take things what you say out of context. You may not understand, you know, there may be, it's I mean, like I, a he said, she said kind of situation, right? What I, you had to explain, open the TV. So maybe he would use in the conversation a term that might be mis, uh, misused uh, in expressing, for instance, a political opinion about uh, September 11 or about the government or about uh, uh, Osama bin Laden or any. I mean, look at me saying open the open the TV. So yeah. why not have? <laughs> lawyer and without uh, uh, civil uh, organizations, the one that you used to work with and putting all these lectures and coming to mosques and explaining to us the constitution and what the constitution allows people uh, to do and not to do uh, was very valuable. I mean, I as a human being grew a million times more after September 11. I mean, my I expanded my knowledge of America, my knowledge of the Constitution, my knowledge of 
history of the U.S. Because you had to. I had to. For survival, to be able to explain to people. By the way, Samar, before we go any further, I did get a text from a caller who said, who's kind of criticizing what you said earlier about the mayor or the politician from Derna who told people to you know, have a 24-hour or 48-hour curfew and not leave. Um, that, you know, he's saying, come on, the mayor didn't know that the dams would collapse. So it's not like he knew they were going to happen, and he told them stay put anyway. So didn't know. He should have known if he was reading what the uh, UN uh, warning that's all over the Internet. It warned Libya, you are one of the city countries that will be devastated uh, from any uh, storm. Somebody also wrote, John writes, I guess, I think he's referring to Al-Qaeda. I guess it's like how the KKK fancies itself as a Christian organization. Um, yeah, true. I mean, Al-Qaeda or these groups, they're, they're not, they don't represent uh, Islam. Uh, they're political organizations using the cover or the rhetoric of Islam for political reasons, and they represent no one but themselves. However, when it was convenient for those groups to be used and to collaborate with the United States, um, then it, they were useful. They were funded by the United States in their efforts. At the time, they were not called Al-Qaeda, but there were people that later formed Al-Qaeda that were being funded by the CIA to... Uh, to topple the Soviets, and, you know, that's well documented. Somehow we're running out of time. Um, again, um, the 9-11 anniversary reminds us uh, of, of what happened, especially to not only the attacks, the tragic attacks that, you know, as Muslims and Americans, not only were we attacked on 9-11, but we also had to have the backlash. So it's almost like being attacked twice, uh, and, also, yeah, go ahead. I know, I know we're running out of time, but I want to mention because of that, we have True Talk. Oh, yeah. And thanks for WMNF and the station to, for recognizing that, you know, this is a missing narrative and then a missing voice on the airwaves and in American media. And we started this show 20, 20 years ago and we're still on, um, you know, fighting stereotypes and creating understanding and spreading love and peace. Um, we're out of time. This is WMNF Tampa. This is something I have to say, the station ID. I hope Sean Kinnan and everyone is listening. WMNF Tampa NPR News is next. And after that, some more great programming right here at WMNF 88.5. Summer, have a great weekend. Um, keep uh, people in Libya and Morocco in your prayers and uh, make a donation if you can to the different relief organizations. You can find them online. Have a great weekend, everyone. Uh,